Species, Brianna Osborne, and this is Inside Exec. Today we're continuing our discussion with Geraldine King about mental health and wellness in the workplace. Listening to you and looking at my experience and exposure to this area over different companies and, and clients, I've noticed just listening to you how much it has advanced and it's a pleasure to hear that advancement and it's very sensible but it's also helping the whole community, not just the organisation people work in. So mm. having a person that is coming back to work, being 100% productive and being happy, it's also going to be telling people this is a great place to work. Absolutely. Isn't it? Absolutely. So it's, the benefits are enormous. Absolutely. I think that that's really good. I know some organisation, you mentioned the structure, they used to have what they called champions in the different parts of the organisation. They kind of making sure they your person there. I don't know if that's still being done, but that was an attempt to have someone on there. But it was more about the physical side rather than the mental situation. It's like have we got the right furniture? People having enough breaks and screens and eyes. It's sort of things that moved on from there. We still we still do those things mm -hmm. too because yeah. you know ergonomics is another yeah. still big part of the health and safety. Agenda, right. and when people sit for a long time in organisations yeah. like mm. financial organisations, law firms, etc., that ergonomics is yeah, something that important. does get called out. But it also, what I've noticed in that space too, and that hasn't changed over many years, is that the more stressed people are at work, and the yeah. more they've got to do, and the tighter their muscles yeah. are, that's the that's the time so that they're likely to suffer injuries. Yeah. That's why it's even more important they have the right chair ergonomics to support them. That's yeah. right. So in the proactive sense, if we look broadly at, at holistics, is there a move towards looking at the physical activities that they do while they're at the workplace? Mm -hmm. Like so, you know, doing the fun runs, doing the, the corporate games yeah. and diet? What Absolutely. Eating? So I think wellbeing programs that uh, are becoming more sophisticated mm -hmm. as well so that people aren't just looking at a, a random selection of programs but are looking more strategically around what holistic program looks like. Often it, it is around personal resilience. There's, uh, I think, the, Lucy Brogdon, the Mental Health yes. Commissioner, who I heard her speak recently about you know, the personal and organisational factors that impact on resilience. And I guess what, what people in wellness do, health, safety and wellness, often look at the, look at the personal factors, so uh, those are the factors that a person can, can have some influence yep. over. You know, can, we, can the diet be improved? Can they exercise a bit more? Can they sleep better? Are they engaged with other people, with their own mm -hmm. communities? So I think uh, that's what the wellness people can do, mm -hmm. where wellness then needs to, to interlink with the learning and development people who may be educating you know, people on how to be more efficient with their with their time of work. You know, is there enough people to do the role, to do yeah. the job, so that people aren't so time poor? Uh, because from a wellness point of view, no matter no matter how we try to help people with their individual wellness, if the organisation's not well yeah. and not treating so people true. from a place of uh, fairness, then all the yeah. wellness in the world is not going <laughs> to counteract that. So they've really got to balance and work together. Do you see any gaps in the programs that are around at the moment? Look, I think it would be an untruth to say that every single thing you do works every time. 
I think you, you've got to be able to roll with the punches on some things, some things seem to resonate mm -hmm. and work and other things, no matter how much advertising you throw at it or how much information you put uh, out there around it, it just doesn't flow for whatever reason. I think you've just got to keep uh, asking questions of your population, trying, just trying some things, be unafraid that some things will fail too. Mm -hmm. But I, I think because there is increasingly some great uh, networking organisations around wellness, health and safety, there is so too many conferences now <laughs> to even think about going to. But the information about how to become more strategic in, in programs is certainly out there. For people, mm -hmm. uh, and not necessarily all of it really expensive to tap into. Mm -hmm. So I think for every organisation, large or small, if you find the right tools and resources, they're, they're there mm -hmm. and, and can help people who are unsure about where to start on that journey. Has technology changed the way you manage your programs? Yeah, increasingly that will be, mm -hmm. be the case. And, and again, industry dependent too. I've worked in some uh, industries where your challenge is, for example, in an uh, electricity company that I, that I worked for, the challenge was always how can we get these people on site in the one place mm -hmm on the one day to get right. anything done. That was always difficult. So you would be trying to send emails, videos through emails, etc., to to reach that population. For other places, increasingly gamification and mm -hmm. and uh, programs where they have a re reward system, a tangible yep. reward system yep. for mm -hmm. people. What's in it for me? There's a mm -hmm. lot of what's in it for me, even in, in wellness. Oh yes, I'll, I'll turn up to that because that looks like there's going to be Tea and food at that event. <laughs> right. So it's, I think it's I think it's a combination. But even with with gamification, I don't think anything will replace some kind of championing people who are championing yeah. to engage people mm -hmm. in activities. Gamification is not for everybody either. Yeah. But it has to be. You have to just hit the the right mark for the right population. And having said that, even in the one organisation, not one size is going to fit Correct. all business groups, yeah. so they can be quite quite diverse. But you, you offer different things so that with the hope that you gather more stuff. That's right. One of my clients, if you like, his organisation have got to the point where they have, um, not up to date, from the Wii games or whatever they are, and they even got, they, they got a very, very modern office environment and they have that and people initially said, well, we're going to put this in place and they said, I'll be like the gym, nobody would want to, we don't have time, etc. So their, um, I guess, director of that division decided, oh, we're going to give it a go, we'll give it a go. And he decided he's going to be the first one to go there. Mm -hmm. And it was visible, deliberately, so it was glass. So what did he goes in there and he started doing that. And then people weren't coming somewhere curious but hesitant. He put a big thing on the board and he said, Who's going to be the boss? <laughs> I love and, that. And he actually energised them all to come in. And there was fitness and there was different games and then there was a lot of participation from people to say what they would like to see. Yeah. And then somebody said, well, then, you know, we're supposed to get away from the screens and but this is a bit further and they checked the lighting. So they went into technical detail. They were a technical organisation. <laughs> Next thing, the boss said, okay, then, so now what about your eye exercises? And somebody said, what? Said, eye exercises. So their director of health and wellness said, 
Okay, this is it. So he sent it around and they were doing eye exercises, blink and look like. <laughs> I, I thought it was so cute. I think you nailed it though, for you under the boss. The boss. Yeah, encouraged it. And oh, again, he drove it. He him. drove it. And you do yeah. need, you need senior leadership yeah. to drive these programs and to be visible. We tap into a global wellness program in, yeah. in a company that I work with. They encourage a, a huge global yeah. challenge that they, they want um, all companies to, to link into. And one of the things that they drive is the senior leadership doesn't walk or some kind of challenge or message or mm-hmm. or it, it is about around walking the talk and and, yes. and demonstrating that this is the sort of organisation that you want to work with and I think without that it can be much more problematic to drive. Have you had across that all of those experiences mentors? Accidental or informal. Mm-hmm. When you're really young and in a young and female in a male-dominated mm-hmm. industry in health and safety, sometimes it, it can be very hard to be heard. So we weren't young, but we were female. We're in the construction <laughs> yeah. industry. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. Well, I'm thinking back to you know yeah. to, to the very early days. Yeah. You and you are very tentative about how you approach, mm-hmm. but you learn. The safety training officer at a construction site in Chatswood, which is in suburban Sydney, and it, at that stage it was still three storeys hole in the ground, uh, and the sheds were another three storeys up, and my training shed was the end of the row of the sheds, so by the time they got to me, they'd climbed probably four or five storeys of wooden rickety stairs, and they'd get to the top, they'd open the shed door, and they'd look inside, and they'd say, it's a girl. <laughs> um, look around, say, yes, and? <laughs> uh, yes, I've, I've had lots of that. One company that I first worked years ago, and I can remember being young and very enthusiastic and thought I could make all these these changes, and I can remember the CEO of the company, we'd start the, he'd come to the health and safety meeting and we'd start the meeting and he'd say, We'd start to talk about things that we needed to do, and he'd say, "Just stop there, Geraldine. You know, do you know how many people that I'll have to sack when you want to implement this program? Have you seen a grown man cry? You know what it's like. Oh, it was just overwhelming. And then he'd go on to tell us all how his mother in Dorigo lifted cows with her bare hands, and she didn't worry about manual handling. She didn't worry about ergonomics." Our partner company in Zambia, they can't. When you look through the glass window, you can't even see the people for the for the smoke. They don't worry about you know breathing protection or oh. So it was a constant battle every um, week. I used to almost. I can't even imagine how frustrating that would have been. I used to do a lot of deep breathing before yeah. I got out of the car to go there. But anyway, things things have changed a lot. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely have. Yeah. Look, one of the questions we do ask all our guests, and it's sort of kind of still on topic, what do you see, and there's no right or wrong answer, we're just interested in people's responses, what do you see as the difference or the similarities between a mentor, a coach, and an accountability partner? Okay. Well, I think if I start with a coach, that a coach is there certainly not to give you the answers, but encourage you, or at least from a confidence point of view, maybe listen to what you have to say and then help you find it, mm-hmm. find it and, mm-hmm. and, and grow from there and, and perhaps help you build your confidence in, in that direction. A mentor, I, I think, is for me somebody who can help you find the right answers or 
or give you the benefit of their experience. Yep. Mm -hmm. An accountability partner, I would think, is helping to keep you on track. It's just interesting to, to hear people's responses because yeah. we have very different views okay. Okay. <laughs> where they all fit. It's just been intriguing to hear what people yeah. think when they think about those roles. And, they, and it's interesting in the way they relate it back to what help they've had yeah. through their careers. And often with the accountability partner, it's more for people who've always worked on their own. Right. So they've got no sounding board and they, and they don't feel that they're in an environment where they would seek a coach or seek a mentor, but they will have an accountability partner, so someone who can just keep them on track, as you yeah. say. I think for the ones I've seen, it becomes more than that, but also seems to become a combination of all of them, mm. which is interesting too, mm. that we need that outside sounding board. Oh, I think yeah. it is. And in terms of what we've been talking about today, in terms of mental health, it is vital, mm -hmm. I think, that we have that outlet. It isn't a judgment outlet. It isn't a, a helping outlet in, in terms of here's the answer. Mm -hmm. But it is an opportunity for you to to just have the verbal diarrhoea. Yeah. That's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And then sort out what you want to take away from mm -hmm. it. I think most of the time any of us, well, all three of us are experiencing this, is that when... Sometimes you're just hearing yourself saying it, you you come with the answer you want. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not really about anyone doing anything. It's more about, I said it now, I worked it out as I was saying it because mm. I know you've got my back. Mm. Just it's it's presence, in interesting you know. too when, when I talk to people about talking in public yeah. and I'll say, write down your speech. So they write their speech and I'll say, now say it. Oh, but no, I, I can just practice it. I can just run it through my head. You can do that. But when you have to physically say it, you'll find that there are words that you've written down that you can say in your head yeah. till the cows come home, but you can't get your lips around it mm. yeah. when, when you've got to go and say it in front of a group of people. Mm. So we've got to practice that. Yeah. And I think it's that the yeah. extension of that is that the thoughts that spin around in your head mm. need sometimes to be verbalised mm. so that you can get them into some sort of perspective. Again, listening to it, I've always been a believer in um, wellness and health at work and everywhere else but listening to you I'm more encouraged about how far we came already and also what a rewarding job it is it's not really a job it's a profession and it's so rewarding so anyone listening and interested would you recommend absolutely yeah. absolutely and and I was thinking about that my whole journey mm -hmm. actually yeah. recently because I've got a daughter who's in year 12 mm -hmm. one who's just finished uni and my youngest is in year 12 and someone asked me if how I'd feel if she chose nursing yeah and I said because I know it gets a really bad rap it's mm -hmm. not particularly well paid mm -hmm. but I said I would be absolutely delighted mm -hmm. because uh, for me that that yeah. was the most valuable thing that I could have ever done mm -hmm. and it really helped to provide me with a direction that I never ever thought mm -hmm. that, that I would mm -hmm. that I would go and and leading into health and safety, uh, I, I would recommend it for anybody. I think it's it can have its frustrations, mm -hmm. yeah. but I wouldn't change that. There's something else that you said, Pauliana, yeah. that yeah. made me think too about yeah, oh the journey of health and safety. safety. Yeah. yeah, how far it's come. Yeah. Oh, the men and the mentor situation. One of the close friends I met at the team that I worked with that I really did have a lot of mentors. Mm -hmm. We still bounce things mm. off of each other. That's great. 
very regularly. Mm. Yeah. We send each other, if a particular provider yeah, you know, goes to visit her or her company, she'll say, oh, I think you might, you should meet this yeah. person, that person. And, then and, and it fits or it doesn't. But I think, I think you know, those, those networks, whether it be an official yeah. mentor or people just that you know that you respect their approach yeah. to their work, are, are absolutely invaluable. It's definitely some of the things we covered in other podcasts about knowledge sharing, so you're doing that, and success transfer. Mm. So something worked for you, even like the provider was the right person or a program that you tried, then I'm in a different organisation, different industry, but we both want to achieve the same objective and I can maybe tailor it or tweak it. Absolutely. And it saves a lot of time and trial. Absolutely. So that's a great thing that you have that network. Well, and in, in we're very lucky in the, in the health and safety space because people love to, to share. Yes. And they're, not, they're not competitive about, in my experience, yes. they're not competitive about their sharing. They want yes. They, they want, want it. They want it out yes. there, and they don't feel like mm. it's my, it's my my yes. special thing. I don't want to share it. People people are very great. That's how everything should. Be. Isn't it interesting though that 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 area of resource management mm. has that sense across all industries? I don't think there's any other area that I can think of. Recruitment wise, people are very protective of the methods they use, the questions they ask, the tests that they give. Yeah. It's just interesting that it's developed that way. Well, I think people can go for awards, or the you know their companies can can go for awards, and maybe there is a level of competition there. But I've never found, I've never no, found that, no. that yeah. the, the knowledge sharing across the industries is quite clear. You know, yeah. we've, we've seen that with others that we've talked to. Yes. If you could do anything at all, magic wand stuff. Yeah. <laughs> any, anything at all, any career, any pastime, any activity. Well, I've done some counselling. I am going to be starting a diploma in positive psychology this year. Mm, I kind of like the idea that one day of, of coaching and wellbeing mm -hmm. and, and in, in what I do in a kind of teaching sense mm -hmm. or coaching sense, perhaps, mm -hmm. maybe. Who knows? You get that feel the stomach excitement yeah, when I you think, think so. about it. I think yeah. so. I think so. I think it's great you know, to have that. I think you, you're always, or I'm always thinking, you know, about what you might do in the next yeah. transition in your yeah. life. Yeah. Not necessarily, but it's nice to, to keep learning. Well, I think you should always have something that you, yeah. you'd like to do yeah. at that stage. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah, that's good because. If you're getting that feeling and you're committing time and energy to the studying on top of a full-time mm. job, that you must have it, that passion about it. Or, or, or you have the, um, I have to keep studying because you never feel quite like you're on top of it. <laughs> Could be a bit of both. That's yeah. a good thing though because yeah. it is true, we mm. never know everything no. ever. <laughs> Information's everywhere, you yeah. might as well be learning all yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested in the information sharing across the industry in a broader sense in this country. Do you see that we are in the leading group of looking after our workforce across so. the world I would think so. in, in comparison so. to other I would think so. developed countries? Look, the Canadians are always excellent. Yeah. Of course, those um, Scandinavians are always pretty good at everything. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think, look, I think we're, doing, we're doing better and better. We still have too many deaths mm -hmm. in the workplace for an advanced country. And I think people, if, it was, if it's the road toll or... Uh, if it's the amount of people that 
diet of vegetables, drug-related problem, it gets a lot of attention, whereas yeah. people seem to still expect it from time to time people will die at work. It's a, a very yeah. poor expectation. Yeah. Very poor expectation. Yeah. I think we do do very well, but I think there's a long way to go. Yeah. Is, it, is there anywhere you look to as the, the innovative, the leading edge? State in Australia no, or anywhere at all? Country. Oh, look, I think a lot of interesting things come out of Canada. They seem yeah. to, if we go back to the mental health, the mental health space, they seem to have been on the cutting edge of, of looking um, at a systemic approach to mental health long before, in, in, the, in the same way physical health was looked at before anybody else was doing it. Mm -hmm. They have um, some you know, great information that, that exists, uh, that they must have thrown money at it over a long period of time. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think they, they seem to, to be up there. Mm. Information. Well, that's really, really interesting, and, and I learned a lot too. Where we at? Got anything you'd like to tell us before? No, thank you very up? much for inviting me and, and giving me lots of things to, to go away and think about <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> think about uh, accountability, um, accountability partners. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. So, we thank Geraldine for her time and, and sharing her expertise with us. I'm Kim Bailey, she's Brianna Osborne, and this is Inside Exec. Thank you.